This is Kyle McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand. (laughs) You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, Bijan Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A stiff arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic about him on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Vernon, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Hold on. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Huh. Our apologies to Kirk Street and Atlanta's time will get to rescheduled soon. And to Matt Bruning and Austin A. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that is being held hostage. That means it's time for Debbie Debate. I am your coup leader, Chris Moxley. That's Math Brooding. That's Austin Nate. On a DEFCON 3 version of tonight's show, we're going to talk about spring game overreactions, the worst takes of spring. But first, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Due to an underwhelming response to our hashtag Save the Show campaign, where all we did was ask for podcast reviews on Debbie Debate feed, Felix is no longer with us. Matt, now that Felix has gotten the Marriott, the Marie Antoinette treatment, what is your reaction? Uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely sad to see him go. Um, sort of. I mean, not really. Uh, just saying that Casey's watching. I'm sure he's already tuned out by now. But we do have some some special messages for him. So I figure we just we just start the show off like that. Little little memoriam for Felix, and then we can kind of move forward with happier times. Felix, brother, I appreciate you. And I know you need to be told that right now because of certain things going on in life. So I want to start it off on a positive note. I appreciate you. I know you're a fan of the show. Wore the shirt specifically, so you know I'm here representing not just me, but also the company. But I also know what it's like to be made fun of. I know what it's like to be told that maybe you're just a little bit trashy because you only wear the same shirt every show. So the fact that you love the floral patterns, I don't care about that. Like I don't care that you want to be a little flamboyant. I don't even care that, for instance, you 
want to go on a Tinder date every now and then. But what I do want to know, and it's strictly rumor and innuendo, so I want to get it straight from the horse's mouth, is, is it true that you were deemed just a little bit too bougie to host the debate team? Because if that is true, then that is not Pate State material. But what I don't want to do is narrow down whomst is not Pate State material anymore. So before we go any further, you and I in this conversation, I would just like to know, are the rumors true? Well, Felix, I mean, I, f- I feel like we we saw this coming, to be honest. I mean, you're kind of the weakest link of the show, you know? I'm, I mean, I, I'd like to say that I'm sad you're gone. As the review showed, people don't like the yelling. And I think with you gone, like, my inner demons will stay inside. I won't have to yell as much. Uh, as Mr. Pate said, you're clearly not really Pate State material. So I hope you're able to kind of take this time to reflect and, and improve upon yourself. And, you know, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side, buddy. Uh, enjoy. Miss ya. Just want to reach out and say goodbye to Felix. The man who uh, initially created this podcast, who has um, probably worked us too hard uh, and agreed with us on virtually zero occasions. Um, maybe I, I mean, maybe I'm happy he's gone. At this time, I would like to declare a state of podcasting emergency as one Esquire. Felix H. Sharp II has gone missing. We do hope he'll return to us at the Devot, but if he doesn't, we will try to continue moving forward with this great, amazing, wonderful podcasting medium. Mr. Sharp, we do hope you are okay. We are looking for you. We will find you. Good luck, gentlemen. And in carrying the burden that Mr. Sharp has now left on Christopher Moxley. The Honorable Christopher Moxley from Southern Carolina. Good luck, gentlemen. I'll be rooting for you. What just happened? That was that was tough to watch. Um you know, it, it brought me to tears a little bit. Um, you know, if you're watching, if you're watching on YouTube or you're, you know you're watching live with us, I, I think we, you know, I think that was just a really moving, moving piece that we had. Um, you know, I, it's it's really hard, and the, you know the audience is the only person to blame on this because we didn't get enough reviews. So if you're looking, if you're looking for someone to blame. Um, that's who you who listening that that didn't review um yeah that's that's a lot it's a lot um you know i i wish felix was with us but you know it it is what it is i will we'll have to move on with the show um you know that's what i think that's what he'd want us to do to be honest i think that he'd want us to continue on in his honor and uh move on to the next topic and as much as it pains me to do so, I, I think something that's near and dear to him is uh, spring game overreactions. Now, I'll, I'll let you go first, Austin. What are you? What are you overreacting to? What are you reacting to? What are you underreacting to? Um, 
You know, if you keep Felix in mind when you when you talk about this, just you know, he's in our hearts, he's in our mind. Um, so feel free to trash any of the players that you know he you know he likes. Well, I don't know how to go on from here, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> but I guess I guess the show must go on. Um, what do I say here? My my overreaction. <laughs> just gotta go on to this. There's a QB battle at Georgia. That's my that's my that's my overreaction to this second round of spring games. And I'll tell you why. Not only statistically was Stetson Bennett just not really very good this past weekend, 15 for 35 for 273 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. He eye test looked terrible too. Just was not good. I get that Georgia's defense is good. He was playing against the ones when they brought Carson Beck and he mostly was not playing against the ones, but guess what? Carson Beck also did not have, did not have the services of some of the top pass catching weapons on the team. Stetson Bennett did Bennett really, really, really his day was saved by Eric Gilbert. If not for Eric Gilbert, I'm not sure what we'd be saying here. Carson Beck went 14 for 20, 14 for 22 for 274 yards. No glaring mistakes on a team that doesn't need next level quarterback play. They just need a steady Eddie back there. I don't know if if Stetson Bennett is still, you know, he got that hangover from the national championship game. I don't know what it is, but the overreaction is there is a quarterback battle in Georgia. Not that it really matters for any of their pass catching weapons anyway, because they both stick. Do you think that there's a chance that Bennett does not start the season? Or is this a we'll see, we'll reevaluate in like two or three weeks if he struggles kind of situation? Well, there were rumors that Beck looked better for a lot of the spring as well. And I know some of that was probably kind of a, a coaching staff trying to wake up Stetson Bennett, uh, who by all accounts wasn't particularly good. And I do think there's still a little bit of that, you know. I mean, he's not an NFL quarterback. Like, kind of, he kind of just had like the best moment of his career. It's never going to get better than that. I wonder if he actually like kind of knows that, even if he's not saying that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's legitimate. And if he's bad, I don't think they'll hesitate to pull him. Because I, I, it's not like he's some stud. No offense to Stetson Bennett. I'll be offended on his behalf, but that's fine. I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> Matt, you got. A big takeaway that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, Felix isn't here, so he can't defend him. I really don't think Tyler Van Dyke was as good as people are giving him credit for in that spring game. And I also don't think it was all on the wide receivers. I feel like the overreaction here is the wide receivers were dropping everything thrown to him. So Tyler Van Dyke's good. The wide receivers aren't like, yeah, they dropped balls. They did. I, I watched the whole spring game. Tyler Van Dyke was missing some of those guys wide open on multiple throws. I don't think that this offense is going to be that good. I know he has actually intimated that he did a video on what this means with Josh Gaddis coming down to Miami. He looked good last year in the back half of that season. There's a lot of talk that he may jump up and be kind of like that third guy right behind CJ Stroud and Bryce Young as a quarterback to be drafted. Miami's offense sucks. And if Tyler Van Dyke does anything close to what he did in that spring game this season. Like, I think the overreaction is going to be that he is going to get drafted highly. I don't know that he's going to be a first round pick. And again, I don't think that's all on the wide receivers where I think a lot of the blame was going this weekend because there was like five drops. But if you watch the full game, I mean, Jacoby George was wide open and he overthrows him by like 10 yards. You can't make that throw. If you're, if you're going to be a pro quarterback, you, you, you have to make that. So I don't think it was all on the wide receivers. I think Tyler Van Dyke was bad. Now, again, 
let's not it is a spring game so we don't want to freak out too much but it, it in my opinion it wasn't just the wide receivers Tyler Van Dyke was not that good in that game either we see a quarterback fall off every year Matt I know this is overreaction so overreact yeah. to this but is Tyler Van Dyke today your bet to be the quarterback that falls off and is like we laugh that we thought he might be a first round pick by this one thousand percent just because I love it when Felix is wrong so that's really like I and I hate saying that because I don't want to root for any kid's failure. I want Tyler Van Dyke to succeed, but that also means Felix has to succeed. So, you know, you just you, you tied your boat to Felix. And unfortunately, that just means bad things for you. Yeah, that that's an interesting situation in Miami. Um, and I'm not sure Josh Gaddis is going to be the one to sink that ship. You know, you, yeah. you talked about this a lot in, in the spring reports, which you can find um, every weeknight at seven not anymore now that spring's practically done now the spring's over because it was it was horrible but you can find them on youtube for like four weeks straight practically every night there was a report yes and and matt talked about how you know gaddis was a little bit willing to push the ball downfield it might not be gaddis who sinks the ship there so that's something to at least keep an eye on um my overreaction and i'm not sure it's an overreaction but it's something that i want to keep in the back of my mind and that is the alabama wide receiver rotation I'm a little bit curious of, as to what that looks like. JoJo Earl, like, I'm a big fan. I think he's really dynamic. I think that he reminds me a lot of Rondell Moore. He's a little bit bigger. He's like 5'10", which is awesome to see. But he had like three or four drops in that spring game, and he just did not look like he was prepared. And he did run with the ones, which is an awesome thing to see. But, again, like all those drops is just kind of bizarre. I thought Christian Leary looked pretty good as well. Christian and Leary was a guy who they – kind of lined up in a whole bunch of different situations last year. They had him at running back at one point. They used him at receiver, obviously. Uh, The big takeaway, though, was the involvement of Kendrick Law earlier and, like, more often than I kind of thought. He was a guy who came in as an athlete. He's a top 100 player in this class. Uh, He was surprisingly moved to wide receiver, I think. I thought that he was going to play defense for sure, and – you know, Saban's been talking about his route running and his hands kind of all spring whenever he has a chance to talk about this incoming group. And not all the freshmen are on, on campus currently, so, it, it you know, you can take that with a grain of salt. But I was kind of impressed with the way Law played, and he only had, I think, two or three catches. But th- it was really interesting to see that. So I really wonder what the rotation looks like outside of Jermaine Burton, outside of JoJo Earl, outside of... Ja'Cory Brooks, who I think are the incumbent three. You know, I think Treshawn Holden plays a role. But after that, I think you can see some really interesting players. So I am I am reacting insofar that I don't think that you're going to see like a super large snap share from JoJo Earl, from Ja'Cory Brooks. I think they're going to rotate a little bit more guys in. And I don't think that's an indictment of the talent. I think it's an indictment of – I think it just speaks to the depth of this receiver room, which is always very strong. But – more so this year than we've seen in the past. This Bama recruiting class of wide receiver is really weird. It's like all hybrid guys. And then Isaiah Bond, Isaiah Bond, that's like a deep guy. And Shaz Preston, who's kind of like John Mechie, like profile-wise, very very similar. And then it's all like Kobe Prentice, who's like a hybrid RB wide receiver. Kendrick Law is kind of a hybrid. Aaron Anderson's kind of a hybrid. Amari Nyblack's like between wide receiver tight end. Like they brought a ton of positionless guys in and they kind of started that wave last year with leary and earl so it's like seven of like the 10 or 11 pass catchers in that team are hybrid guys so you have to wonder like what exactly 
are they shifting towards something a little different than maybe they've had previously with some more defined rules? And they have that kid from Louisville coming in. What's his name? That's transferring in. Terrell. Oh yeah, yeah. Did I get that right? I forget. I but like, he's Harold. A, he's a, Harold. Yes, yeah, Harold, yeah. who's a deep guy as well. So like I, the rules are really fluid there. I mean, I'd be interested to see how that shakes out. Well, yeah. I wonder if it's just because of uh, all the success they had the past couple of years with Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, who they were able to move all around those four, all around the formation. Maybe that's what they're trying to to move more toward. Yeah, yeah, and I know that it. So Law was a guy that was surprisingly switched, like you said, Austin. They have Anderson, they have Bond, they have Prentice, they have a lot of other guys. Who is our favorite heading into this season of players? And they're not all on campus currently, so we haven't seen all of them, and you know in spring practice but if we're putting if we're staking our claim on one of those guys do we like any of them more than we like you know high-end receivers elsewhere is this just kind of a class that's you know a little bit of a washout for bama just a lot of got a lot of like guys i still think bond has the chance to develop a really nice skill set there like i think he's just a deep guy now but by year two or three i think he could be a little bit more we saw glimpses of that his senior year of high school um you know designated as an athlete and he's a super athlete crazy track athlete for anybody who hasn't seen him play he's he's fast as hell he's a little more physical than people want to give him credit for and he's like 511 180 like he's not small by any stretch so i like him a lot and that's kind of why i like shaz preston too because i think weirdly like preston's the most vanilla of them but like i think he's very projectable like i i think he's basically john mechie like very, very similar players. So I think, you know, give him a year. I didn't expect him to play at all this year, but he still kind of gives a well-rounded game that literally like nobody else there they really have can do for them. And I don't like Aaron Anderson or Kobe Prentice. Just throwing that out. There. <laughs> all right, Brown. let's. Yeah, oh, I, I was going to say, Matt, do you, have a, do you have a strong take on the Alabama wide receivers? Uh, not really. I mean, we have... In the freshman guide, I believe we have Bond rated higher for us based on what the the whole team thought. I don't think there's a massive difference for me between Bond and Preston. I'd have to go back and look at my ranks, but I feel like those two are fairly close for me. But yeah, I mean, I I honestly don't think it matters with he whether Bill O'Brien's still there or Saban brings somebody else in. We know at least one or both of those guys are going to be good we, we believe i believe in milrow ty simpson looked amazing in that game like saban has proved that no matter who is there i know i, I was probably i think the lowest on ty simpson and that i was like i'm probably wrong here i probably need to adjust accordingly to what simpson has been doing nick saban has shown that regardless of what happens he can bring in an offensive coordinator to run an offense and produce these high-end wide receivers quarterbacks every single year regardless of what uh who comes and goes so i i do think for me bond is barely above preston but i think both those guys could be very productive for for college football purposes fantasy and then going into the nfl they're the two that i'd like the most yeah it's really hard to bet against an alabama wide receiver um all things considered do so Austin, do you have another takeaway that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of fun ones you could do. Um, I mean, debating between two is Eric. I'll stick with Georgia. Eric Gilbert had two touchdowns. Looked really good. He only had three catches, but, but two of them were for scores. 
He's slimmed back down. They still want him to lose like 10 or 15 pounds. Um, the background, I think, will always scare some teams off. Like, I bet no matter what happens with him this season, he's not even on at least one draft uh, team's draft board, uh, if not more. Just, so, you know, question. Uh, we saw that, that article that came out on Athletic today where they were talking about, like, keep your mental health stuff to yourself. Like, there are going to be teams that fade him. That is not my opinion. That's just like factually what NFL front offices will do. If they're investing millions of dollars in you. I can't necessarily say that I blame them, even though their reaction to a lot of these things is just really, really not great. Um, but Gilbert looked good. I mean, I'm still not wholesale back on the train. They've got four really good tight ends in that room. Not to speak of Oscar Delp, who also looks like the goat had like seven catches on nine targets for or something like that this weekend. But Gilbert looked really, really good, and I think he can work himself back into this offense. That sounds like the wide receiver experiment's over, which I think is really good for him. If you can get him back in the right headspace, it's an offense that everyone's going to catch between 20 and 40 passes for 250 to 500 yards and, and three to eight touchdowns. So I think he's, he'll be in that spectrum. He'll do really, really well. I'm not sure you know, if he's always startable or not, but I think he's going to be a really good option for this year. And I think he can go to the NFL and get some decent draft capital, even if some teams will be scared off. Do you think he can get drafted this year? Or is he a guy that needs to spend two years at Georgia considering the lost year and then the half season at LSU? So here's, I, think, I actually think he needs to come out this year if he's going to come out. Like if he rebounds at all this year, I think he just says, screw it and goes. It seems like, you know, he had a lot of things going on with him at LSU, but I do think money played a part and it seemed like he was always trying to maximize whatever money he was going to get moving forward, which is not a bad thing. Again, it's fine. That's an approach. Um, and I think if he has a good year this year and he like, I, I think he would, could not risk coming back and, and, and falling back into anything and, and, and wiping out all that value. Cause all it would take is for him to miss a practice or, you know, and everyone would all of a sudden be back on the the fade Eric Gilbert train. So I think if he has a decent season, I think he comes out uh, and goes like day early day two or something. Yeah, I, th I think he will regardless, just based on what, <clears throat> excuse me, the decisions he's made throughout his entire college career. I think if he goes out and has even a decent season, he's just going to say screw it and go to the NFL. I don't know that he's even going to have that good of a season. I could see him being... I think uh, Jared mentioned probably the red zone guy for them. Like maybe he gets a bunch of touchdowns. I don't know that this offense is going to be that high powered that he's going to get a ton of catches and yards. I mean, I know he's a can be a difference maker. We haven't really seen that put together. I know he's had one good year as I was proven wrong, but outside of that, he's not really like put it all together. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. I don't know that I'd be willing either to take a bet on him at this point because there's just been too much, too much, too much drama on and off the field. Uh, I think for him to put it all together, but I hope he does. I mean, I, I don't want him to, to fail, but I do agree with what Austin was saying. I mean, there's going to definitely be NFL teams who will just completely avoid him. Even if he falls fourth, fifth round, they're just not going to take him because they don't want to deal with it. But if he does, so say he gets drafted in the third round next year, like, are you taking him first round in a, in a rookie draft next year? It's a deep class. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I I struggle with this because I think that he will, if he keeps the momentum that he had and has this spring, I think he'll have a good enough year 
and he has the pedigree. He has the athleticism. I think he'll go around one or two, assuming that he doesn't fall off. Like he came into Georgia and allegedly, how about I say it this way? Like 300 pounds. Um, Like there were a lot of um, off the field issues there and they weren't like off the field issues. Like a has, it was like legitimate, legitimate concerns about him and his mental health. And it, it, it is something that I think a lot of collegiate programs are willing to respect more so than NFL programs. Like Austin was saying, but I think if he rebounds this year, a lot of teams are going to be like, hey, this is the guy that we saw. Like, he he had a tough time adapting maybe away from home. And, and that was something that a lot of a lot of LSU people talked about at, at uh, in Baton Rouge last year. Like, we, we don't necessarily know. And I think that if he has a good year, he will go round one or two. And a good year for a tight end doesn't have to be a mega producer. He just has to show that he has the traits. So I am willing to... Invest in him. I traded a sixth round uh, Cam Scanton supplemental pick for him. Um, and that equated to, I think, 96th overall. And that's the type of risk that I'm willing to take to take on him. And so I think that he's a player that I'm still willing to invest in just based off the talent. I, I still kind of believe in him. So I guess um, since Felix is gone now and, and um, you know, all of our jobs are in jeopardy, I guess I'll go with a bold prediction here tonight. I'll go like totally opposite of what I usually do on this show. Yeah, try to save my job. Maybe for at least one week more. I, I don't know. Um, if Eric Gilbert has an even decent a decent season, he goes ahead of Michael Mayer in the draft next year. I buy that. Wow. Okay. I think I think the NFL is going to be slightly lower on Mayer. Is Mayer a first round pick? Possibly. Possibly. I think he. I think he with, is without Gilbert. One hundred percent. If Gilbert plays well and only, you know, one tight end is going to go in the first round, maybe then maybe he slides just because Gilbert ends up being the guy that somebody prefers. Okay. I, I, I kind of buy that take. I, I think that that's a really good, because like they were really close last year before, you know, everything kind of like fell apart, but Gilbert, Gilbert was better as a freshman, just straight up. He was like, more explosive. So the stats more versatile, yeah, yeah, at a per per game rate. But I mean, Michael Mayer is kind of like the guy the NFL, the the type of player the NFL loves is Michael Mayer. Like they just like love that type of player who's like bought in, like a Notre Dame tight end. Um, So I, I mean, I like both of them actually. Like I've really come around on Arik Gilbert. Um, Matt, do you have a take that you want to? Another take that you want to talk about? Yeah, really quick. I think the overreaction to Julian Fleming not playing because an injury is absolutely ridiculous. Like, can we stop with that? He still has some value because there were people who were still tweeting that crap out that they're still willing to take a chance on him because, oh, well, he was day to day. And then, you know what? They just decided last minute not to. This is the third year in a row. Granted, I think they didn't have it. I don't believe they had a spring game because of COVID, whatever. Last year, he missed a spring game because of an injury. He missed almost the entire season last year because of injury. Now, again, with this spring game, and I think it's just, let's just be honest with ourselves. Everybody who's listening, if you like Julian Fleming, look, I get it. He's a good kid. He's really fast. He's he's definitely got some talent. Mecca's already better. Marvin Harrison's already better. Jaden Ballard look better than anything I've seen Julian Fleming do on the field in that one spring game. Like, it's over. Just Just let it go insert the Michael Jordan meme, stop, get some help. Like it's done. 
move him if you can. If not, pray for the best. If he stays at Ohio State, which I think would be a horrible decision on his part, he's not going to play. Keon Graves and Caleb Burton are going to pass him next year. He's he's it's done. It's over with. Go somewhere, you know. Again, and I hate to say this because you know he was one of Felix's guys a couple years ago, and, and now he's all in on the G Scott train. All of a sudden, I don't know where that came from, but you know, whatever. But he was all on Julian Fleming. If he transfers, to, let transfer to Western Michigan. As Felix loves to point out, they do a great job of developing wide receivers. Go to Western Michigan, ball out for a year or two, and then let's see what you can do in the NFL. Yeah, he's he's been dust for a little while. the The ray on the wall has been there, despite Brian Hartline's apparently, like, Love apparently him. he's his boy. Like, he's a huge affinity for him. But I, it doesn't sound like it's gonna happen. Um, my overreaction, and I don't know if it's that crazy, is that Devin Leary, I think, is gonna be an NFL guy. Like, I really do. Like, there's no reason that he can't be on the Kenny Pickett track. And I think he's better than Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, he, the talent at NC State in the receiving room isn't great. Last year, he had a Mecca Messi, who's a good player, but he's not anything special. Um, this year, he has Devin Carter and I think Thayer Thomas, who are going to be his wide receiver one and two. And they're definitely not like particularly effective players, but he dominated the first half of spring game. He's just a really good player, and he was the one throwing at the NC State Pro Day, and NFL scouts are really enamored, according to like all the NC State reporters. Like they're really, really impressed with him. And I, I like out of the spring, like he's a guy that I think is going to probably rise a bunch. I, I think that he is legit NFL potential, like at least day one or two next season. Like he's a guy that feels steady and. It would not shock me if he was like on the Kenny Pickett train. And I think he's better than Kenny Pickett. And if he's better than Kenny Pickett, he should probably go round two. And if round two it, it, at the evaluation of Devin Leary currently and him going round two is a lot different. And so I, he's a guy that I, I probably want to acquire currently. I, I think he's got a tremendously productive season for college fantasy. And then I think that he has a legitimate shot to go r- probably round two in the NFL draft. I don't know if he's going to go round one. It's a, I think it's going to be a good QB class next year. I don't think he's a round one player necessarily. Uh, he has to improve in some areas, but I, I I really like what I've seen from him, and I really like what I'm hearing from NFL scouts, and I like what I'm hearing from the NFL media, and that is a big driver of my opinion. Who goes higher, him or Tyler Van Dyke? Right now, I think it, I have to say Van Dyke, but I mean that could. That could potentially change a bit in, in the season. Like, Leary's a guy that I can see going first round. Like, he fits, like, the mold of player that I think can break out. I just think Van Dyke's second half of last season was so incredible that it it, it buys him some slack from what we've seen. Just wanted to see. Wanted to see. Felix isn't here, so we can say whatever. That's true. Yeah, you, you can talk anything you want about Tyler Van Dyke. Bring me so, Devin Leary. Bring me Devin Leary. Yeah. I'll take Devin Leary. Wow, that's that's interesting. I mean, he's going to be a fifth year senior next year. I think, or no, yeah, he'll be he'll I mean, be a fifth year guy. I mean, Kenny Pickett's but been his, a pit for ten years. Going to be a first round pick. So why can't Devin Leary? He's only been there for five. And Leary's been more impressive than Pickett has over the last, I think, two or three years, just on a year by year basis. So. 
Um, all right, that's those are our overreactions to spring games, which are half appropriate reactions. Let's talk about housekeeping. Debbie Summit's coming up. I unfortunately will not be with us. I will be traveling the world um, in the Austin sort of sense where he can go anywhere he wants in his private jet. I'll be going where anywhere in my, uh, you know, in my regular class with, with, with the common people. I, I don't have that same luxury, but the Debbie summit is going to happen while I am away. It is May 22nd and it has a uh, campus camp campus camp is featured. Um, we are doing six hours and it, it is a relief effort for or it, all the money raised is going to a relief effort for Ukrainian refugees. It is an excellent, um, excellent summit. It's ta- Brandon Lejeune is going to be there. Matt Hicks is going to be there. It is going to be a really, really interesting look into the Devi side of things. And, you know, we'll talk some Kevin Canton. We'll talk about like a lot of collegiate players and how to approach um, that side of the game. And it's something that I think a lot of people are looking for, but aren't quite ready to make that jump. So this is potentially a way to do that if, if you're interested. So tune in. May 22nd for uh, the Debbie Summit. We also have, for people who are looking to get involved, uh, Camp Scanton First Timer League. So this is something that we've been running the last couple uh, weeks or so. And we we filled, I think, two full leagues and we're often drafting. I think we're looking for, you know, three and four to, to still fill up. But, you know, we're running these leagues and they're for first timers and they're for people who are not necessarily adept to the format. And, you know, we'll run them, make sure everything goes well, make sure everything is is basically up to par. And if you are a yearly member, your sign up goes towards your league due. If you are a monthly member, you can still join these leagues. But again, your sign up will not go necessarily go towards the league due because, um, because you're a monthly member. I, I, I think that makes sense in terms of uh, the dollar amounts. The The big thing with the, the C2C leagues is not only are we not taking a commission, like we, we have no desire to, uh, you know, take any money off the top of that. We just want to run your league and make sure it's effective because we want to grow the format. It's a really good way to get introduced to campus Canton leagues and have some stability around it and make sure that it's not going off the rails. Uh, you know, we we also have prize picks. Uh, C2C is the promo code. If you put at least $20 in, up to $100, prize picks will match 100% of your deposit. Uh, and that will give you $29.99 towards a year-long subscription. So it doesn't get you locked into a certain subscription, but it does give you basically $30 off of whatever subscription that you want to choose. And this is a great another great way to sign up for our you know, our, our first time release, if you're, if you're not interested you're someone who um, does like we tweak parlor, USFL is going on right now. NBA is in the playoffs. MLB season kicked off two weeks ago. There are a lot of opportunities to do so. So the promo code is, is C2C. We'll match up to, they'll match up to a hundred dollars, $20 minimum. You've got a camp scan membership. Finally. And this pains me to say too, because you know, we, we had the Felix, is it in, in memoriam? I don't know. Kind of. Yes. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, I, I'm just, it, it's emotional to talk about it is the really bottom line, but rates and reviews are keep the show alive. And because we didn't get enough and because we haven't had enough 
over the last couple of months, you know, we we got to ask Felix, and it, it's a tough, and you know, you heard it, you know, in the video, and it, it has not been easy on any of us, but it's going to happen again this week, and the the next one up is Matt, and you know, I re- I really like Matt. I think he does a great job. And I, I think that he is an excellent analyst and he gives you Ohio State insights. They can't get anywhere else. He's got insider information. But he's on the chopping block. And the answer to that is rate and reviews in the Debbie Debate podcast feed. Whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts, that is the answer. We've already lost Felix. We're not trying to go down to a two-man team. We're trying to, you know, keep keep us together, please. We, I, we don't want I can't it. sit here for 45 minutes nope. to an hour with just Chris. Don't do that to me. You know yeah, what? Oh, oh and, and Matt. And Matt. We don't want to leave Matt either. Sorry. My Screw bad. you guys. I'm at it. Please. That was easier than I thought. Oh, thank, thankfully. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we definitely don't That's want to right. leave Matt. I've, I've already been dubbed a new member of the official, so you guys can kick me out of here if you want. I've moved on. I, you, you guys did Felix dirty. That's what you guys are. Look, just give me five, right? What did Felix get? Three? Did Felix get three? He didn't get enough is the bottom line. <laughs> I need to number. Because even if I don't get enough, I need to beat Felix. So give me five rates and reviews. Tell you what. If you, and just, let's keep this between us, Austin, Moxley, they're not listening. If you guys DM me a picture of your rate and review, I will give you guys... My signed Garrett Wilson jersey that is here somewhere. I just want to beat Felix. That's all. I, I don't care if you give me four. Felix got three. I need one more than Felix. And four of you will get a chance to win a signed Garrett Wilson jersey. Let's just make this happen. I need to beat Felix. That's all I care about. Yeah. Okay. So you heard it. You heard it from Matt. Anyone who rate interviews the show between now and next Wednesday before we go live yeah sure yeah i mean probably is, monday because doesn't it take like a couple days to actually put it in there so we need like an official true. account so okay between now and monday anyone who rate and reviews the show is entered to win a garrett wilson jersey from matt i'll give away a garrett wilson jersey if you can prove to me that you didn't leave a review <laughs> i don't know if we can speak i don't know if i, I, don't know if I can verify that i'm not giving away anything all right, let's move on to some actual uh, content besides our axing and our faux survivor. Our worst takes of, of spring. We are in May currently, or we are almost in May. We're in late April currently, and we know that we have all spouted some poor takes. We've seen some poor takes on Twitter. Austin, I'll let you start. Where have you messed up? What What are your bad takes? Let lay, lay it on us. Uh, there were too many to count, but I, I I I put them all in a hat and I pulled out three. And I figured, you know, I could I could choose from them. They'd all be good. <clears throat> I think my biggest regret on terms of takes so far this offseason has been I, I think I faded Drake May a little too hard, quarterback at UNC. I know to to Chris's delight, and this might just have been to, you know, satisfy him before I realized that 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 Matt was going to be the next one to go. I thought I could buy myself some time with this. Um, Drake May, second-year quarterback there at UNC. You know, everyone said last year he's going to be the heir apparent. I was not quite as sure. I was not as high on Drake May coming out of high school. I didn't dislike him, but I definitely wasn't very high on him. I'm still kind of skeptical on him as a long-term guy in terms of getting to the NFL. It, he's bigger. He's not, a, he's not a bad athlete, but he's kind of 
awkward, especially compared to the guy that was there before him and Sam Howe. But he is a nice, easy thrower of the ball. Um, so I was a little skeptical on May. Chriswell looked good in limited action last year. Connor Harrell coming in this year, who I don't think is a significantly worse player than him by any stretch, despite being one year younger. I think the the spring game kind of bore that out, that I think UNC would be okay with any of those guys this year. Um, but May did look the best, and I think he looked good enough where now I'm less worried about him and the rest of that offense. I was starting to fade Josh Downs a little bit in, in relation to that that uh, kind of take. So I think I was wrong on Drake May. I was a little too low on him. I think he will be the starter there, and I think he'll be pretty decent, uh, if but probably not Sam Howe. And then I think that Josh Downs is going to be fine this year. I was trying to sell him in a couple of leagues. And now I definitely don't think I will. Would he catch three touchdowns in the spring game or something in the first half? Like, yeah, I think, just I think that one from each quarterback. Granted, UNC's defense sucked last year, and I'm sure it'll be bad again this year. But, I mean, still. So I think that's probably the, the one take that I was just, like, the most wrong on heading into this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I practically just – speak nonsense so i i kind of like i'm not really sure what i should have pulled out i guess my biggest one at least the one that got the most interaction was was me fading braylon allen and i don't necessarily think i'm going to end up being wrong here but from a value perspective i he's gotta be i guess in the top 10 of of running backs just based on what he did again as a 17 year old true freshman he's gonna be behind one of the best offensive lines in college for at least the next couple years. So that's even with that alone. I mean, again, I've, I've stated before, I don't think Melvin Gordon's a very good running back based on pure volume alone and being behind a, one of the best offensive lines in college. He produced, got drafted. He got, he got the volume in the NFL and produced as well. I think Braylon Allen can do that. So me fading him as hard as I did is probably my biggest mistake of spring. I mean, I, I know I, I actually didn't even have him in the top 10 of his, his freshman class at one point as well. So he definitely deserves to be in there. I still don't think I have him in my – I think I have him nine now as, as a ranked running back in, in our C2C rankings because I do, at the end of the day, think I'm going to be right on his overall talent. But right now, he deserves to be up there. Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting case of athlete versus player. Of like He's an incredible athlete, but like, I don't – he doesn't know how to play running back yet. And I think we've all kind of – level those concerns. So, so mine is, and this has been like more of a CFF take maybe, but I think I got a little bit ahead of myself crowning Brock Bowers as like the tight end one. Um, hmm. I should have known better though with Darnell Washington already there. Like, he existed, and I kind of just ignored that, and I was like, well, I just think Brock Bowers is better than him. I didn't know what to expect of Eric Gilbert, and I was obviously um, underestimating him as well. So I I do think that I got a little bit ahead of my skis, especially in the CFF arena on Brock Bowers, and there's still questions about him and his size, and I don't want to like, – I don't really – I really don't want to downplay that too because he's still only 230. Like, he needs to add 15 to 20 pounds to be a successful NFL tight end. Like, it, that's still a legitimate thing. And I can he do it with Georgia's strength and conditioning program? Probably. But I really would like to see it before we put him in the unanimous tight end one bucket. And so I think I was a little bit too ahead of him and ignored, basically, the situation in Georgia. And I, I can know. 
Austin, you got another one? First off, I'm just glad that you're coming around on that. Um, as someone who thought your draft position on Brock Bowers was egregious literally every single time I saw it. Um, okay, it was smart at the time before I knew Rick Gilbert decided to lose 35 pounds. It was egregious. Um, I guess I have two other ones, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this one. Uh, Spiller is my RB1 in the 2022 class uh, at this point, I think it's obvious that Hall's probably going to get drafted before him. We'll see where he ends up. I still have Spiller as the RB two though. I would way rather have Spiller over Kenneth Walker. Personally. I don't really think much of Kenneth Walker at all. Um, I, I think Spiller's a more well-rounded back. Uh, and I think he'll end up being a, a better pro. Um, but I, I did hold on to Spiller RB one for a really long time. And I still, the reasons aren't necessarily that, that like I don't think Hall's as fast as everybody says he is. I don't think he's a Jonathan Taylor level prospect like everybody says he does. I don't think either of those things are true. I just think Spiller has not helped himself at all throughout this process. Not that I thought he'd test as a great athlete, but um, you know, just doing everything except for the 40 at the combine, I think should count against you a little bit. I think, you know, he didn't even do that great at his pro day. A lot of other things going on as well. So I, I think that was been my other one where I held on to him as RB one for a little too long. Not that it necessarily mattered unless you were drafting already for your rookies. I wasn't giving anybody advice that was killing you. Um, so at least that feels good. But because that always scares me. Does that scare you guys? What to that? give to give directed advice and then it ends up being wrong and somebody like no, my advice guys. is never really wrong, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, good point. I yeah, I've got so much Kyle McCord, man. I've got so much Kyle McCord. Speaking of comic court, great segue. That's why you're professional. I don't think I've done a good job fading that 2021 QB class enough. I mean, I put Sam Heward and Baron Morton on there. They're two of the guys that I've been really high on. Kyle McCord falls in there. Ty Thompson. Like, I, again, I've, I've stated this before on here, other shows. I don't know if it was just what COVID did to these guys in their senior years and maybe not allowing them to develop fully before coming into college. But there's a realistic shot that, Caleb Williams is the only guy. Like, I know Quinn Ewers is in that class, but he wasn't supposed to be. There's a realistic shot that Caleb Williams is the only one that pans out from that class. I mean, J.J. McCarthy may not start this year. Sam Heward may lose to Evan Michael Penix, who is horrible, by the way. He is a horrible quarterback, and Sam Heward may not win that job. We don't know what's going to happen with Kyle McCord. If he doesn't transfer out and he stays there, there's still a shot that he gets beat out by Devin Brown next year. And then what happens? You transfer out. You're going to have to play two years, likely, whatever school you go to to try and rebuild some kind of draft capital. Ty Thompson loses to Bo Nix. I don't think that's quite as egregious as losing to uh, Michael Penix. But still, you just lost out to Bo Nix. I mean, Jake Garcia is probably not playing this year because of Tyler Van Dyke. I forgot about Drake May and Jackson Dart. I forgot those those two might actually hit with, with them likely being starters. But it's just Tyler Buchner. He's maybe going to start at Notre Dame, but now he's dealing with an injury, apparently wearing some big-ass bulky knee brace like he dealt with injuries last year. It's what caused him to not get the start over Pine. Does that happen again this year? This whole class, like I've had these guys rank so highly in my RC2C ranks, and I started dropping them finally because I'm just worried that none of these guys are going to pan out, unfortunately. Where did you move Hewer to? I'm curious. I just I dropped I him a lot this week, too. I think he's down at 23, 24. I had him top 10. I was a lot I mean, more aggressive was... with my drop. Were you? I killed I, yeah, him. Yeah. I, did, I just killed him. Oh, I, 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 I old yellered that Debbie like <laughs> value. So here's just, okay. Also plays the fifth on, and on his associate with Sam Heward. 
my my thing with Hubert, and I could definitely be wrong here. I told you guys, I think in our text message thread, I, I got some comments that were not very flattering about Sam Hubert from someone I, I trust that he's just not very competitive. He kind of went to Washington just because he was a legacy kid and he thought he would it was going to be an easy layup to get the job. I don't think Penix starts the whole season, though. I just don't see. I don't think he's that good. And I mean, he's never started more than six games because of injury. So I do think at some point we're going to see Heward. And that's where I believe in DeBoer. Now, whether or not Heward ends up being a guy that I thought he, I had him number two in that class, or no, three. I had him behind Willie, or yeah, Williams and McCord. So I still believed very much in Heward. Maybe he doesn't end up being the NFL guy that I thought he could be, but I do think what Kalen DeBoer was able to do with Jake Hayner, and I do think Heward has a better skill set. Like, if, if, if Heward does get a start, he can probably produce for you for two years or a year and a half on the CFF side, and likely then that gets him drafted. Whether or not he'll ever pan out to what I thought he could be probably doesn't happen, but I still think he's got a shot to prove something, so I don't want to drop him completely, but I think I had him at eight in all honesty, before I dropped him. And he's he's at 23 or 24, because it's like him and McCord are both still in my top 24, but they're like right on the bottom. So I'm pretty sure those guys are 23 and 24 for me right now. Yeah, man, I have such a tough, tough time evaluating Heward right now because I, I think he's better than Penix, like you said, but I don't love exactly what I'm seeing out of camp. Like, it sounds like it's a really close race and... Could this be Evan Prater all over again? It could. Where reports were like, it's the other guy, it's the other guy, it's the other guy, and spring game rolls around. They rule so, Prater out, and Prater plays well. Here's my issue with that. Prater knew the coach, like the offensive coordinator there, Brian was the quarterback coach for the past three years who helped, you know, say what you want about Desmond Ritter. He improved every single year. He's not the perfect QB prospect. But if you go back and look at what he did as a sophomore, junior, senior, he got a little bit better every single year. Prater's been there working with him. Michael Penix knows DeBoer, right? He recruited him. They had that time at Indiana. That's why I think it leans heavier in Penix's favor because he already knows the system. Like, coming in, if it wasn't Penix, if it was whoever, whatever quarterback that had never known DeBoer's system, I would have given the the – upside to Hewer because I think he's a more talented quarterback. But the fact that Penix knows the system, and I think DeBoer wants to go in there and win now, I think that means if it's tight, even if it's literally these two are even, I think he leans toward Penix because he already knows the system, and he knows what Penix is in his system. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, it's, man, that's just like a really weird situation. I, I have Hewer, I think, maybe the highest of anybody. I still have him seventeen. Um, I like what I saw in high school. Like I felt like he had an adequate arm and really impressed in Washington. And so I, like, I'm not willing to write him off and it, he has the upside that I don't think a lot of other players possess in C2C leagues, especially. And so I, I'm still going to draft him. I'm just way lower than I was like 12 months ago. Um, you know, I, I had a tough time narrowing this down on, you know, my worst takes. I, I feel like I've had quite a few. But one I want to talk about is Mike Leach. I feel like I promoted Mike Leach wide receiver once a little bit too much at a time. And I feel like I need to come clean on that. Um, I feel like the narrative there has been really, really... Uh, you know, manufactured 
it, maybe is the best word I'm looking for. Nobody does less with their pass heavy rate than Mike Leach does. In 2021 specifically, and this has been true of Leach forever, but I, I'll, I'll use 2020 at 2021 as a um, starting point. Five receivers ran more than 292 routes. So let's compare Ole Miss, for example, which is a pass-heavy offense as well. In state, I just felt like it was a fun comparison. They had three players who did this. They had clear three wide receivers. Mike Leach rotated five guys, probably six guys if I want to go down to like 200-plus routes, but I won't. Since 2010, Mike Leach ranks 56th among coaches in terms of wide receiver one production in PPR leagues. His wide receiver one has posted an 11.2 points per game, despite having the highest pass rate in all of all, all of the country. This is a guy who produces a handful of high-end seasons and has done nothing since. I think I said I want to have Mike Leach wide receivers, and that's a take that I'm definitely walking back. He rotates way too much, does not target an R, uh, a wide receiver one, and despite his his highest ever neutral game pass rate, nobody's producing in this offense. So I, I, I moving forward, will not be drafting Mike Leach wide receivers, at least at like above value. I saw I'm, I'm off of, um, I'm off my leech. I'm off my leech offense. Like I don't want anybody to see the quarterback there. I have no, I have nothing to add to this. I don't think they have a lot of talent there either right now, either. I was apparently too high on Jaden Wally, but that was so long ago that didn't qualify for this segment. Um, I don't think like I don't even think any of the other wide receivers are very talented right now. I kind of like Rara Thomas. I try. I, mean, I do kind of like Rara. It's a fun name at the very least. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun name if you want to root for, root for someone in that in that offense. Um, but yeah, it, the the situation that he's been dealt at Mississippi State has not been great, and that's part of his own doing. Considering he's been there a handful of years and he hasn't really recruited high wide receiver talent. Um, you know, I think we like Will Rogers some, but a lot of that it has to do with his standing as a Mike Leach quarterback. Um, let's let's get Mike in here. Give him a preview of the after show. Figure out what we're talking about. Hey, welcome everybody. We're going to talk on the after show. It's going to be me and big wide receiver guy. Um, AKA Matt. And I just got to announce this. This, this episode is going to be sponsored by the make a wish foundation. Um, it's not me. It's Matt. He, he has a smooth brain and he just has trouble with cognitive function. So please come by and support big wide receiver guy and his struggles on the after show. As we talk about the freshman wide receiver class in a Debbie perspective. Okay. Well, that was informative as to what we're going to talk about. Um, you know, you st- stay tuned for the after show. Mike always does a great job. Um, but for Camp Scan, check out the website. Uh, we posted a bunch of articles in the last two weeks. 
Uh, Matt Fox posted his final mock draft. Jared Pongren posted his transfer portal article. Nate posted uh, stuff about quarterback wide receiver stacks. We've had stuff about, you know, the camera award situation. We've had a really good articles on, on the website. The podcast feed has been buzzing. Uh, Monday, we have Chasing the Natty. Tuesday, we have Campus Life. Wednesday, Debbie Debate, obviously. Thursday, Camp Bound. Uh, we also have the official on that gets released early Thursday morning. Friday, we have Future Freshman. And then every single day, we have Dwight, who's doing an excellent job on the Daily Draft Report. That That's really it for tonight. I, you know, even though I've taken over Felix for the host, I... Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks at the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro! And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. For the freshman. Backed up Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.